Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high-performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode of Everything Early Childhood. My name is Lisa Brown, and I'm the founder of Platinum Education. And today we are joined by one of the most passionate people I know (laughs) who sleeps, eats, breathes early childhood. Now we are working on that balance, but um, she is the operations manager or Eden Angel, as we like to call them over at Eden Academy. And I'm so keen to learn more about her story and what keeps her motivated every single day. So I'd like like to give a big warm welcome to Amy Atkinson. Welcome. Thank you, Lisa. Hi, everyone. We're so I'm super happy. excited to be here. Oh, so happy to have you. Really excited. <laughs> that was a really great intro. I like that. Good. I'm so glad. It's so true. So true. We talk about it all the time that you sleep, eat and breathe. Yes, unfortunately. It's not unfortunate. I just need to find the balance, but that's really, really difficult. It's so so passionate. Oh, when you love what you do, it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's so easy to get caught up in it. Yeah. I was up at four o'clock this morning thinking about it. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Like what led you into this career? Um, I always say childcare found me. I didn't find it. So I was just a young mum at home and I had never worked before and I didn't have any other skill set and all I knew best to do was look after children. So uh, I just thought I'd give it a go a couple of days a week to get out of the house and, you know, have some adult interaction would be nice. Um, And, uh, yeah, 19 years later, here I am. So... That's yeah. so awesome. And I'm, I'm so curious because um, you are so passionate about what you do every single day. I'm so curious, like what gets you out of bed every day? Like what, what where does that motivation come from? Um, I think it's a combination of everyone is relying on me, you know, and I want to do my best for them. Uh, but also I'm really passionate about the early childhood sector. So I want to make sure that I'm giving my best to that all the time to do it justice and get it where we, we need it to be. Um, we all pay, play a cog in that. So if I'm playing spinning my cog um, at 100 miles an hour as best as I can. At least I know I'm doing everything I can and I can at least inspire and, and, you know, coax other people to come along on that journey as well. So how many teams are you leading at the moment? I have five teams that I'm leading. Awesome. And what are your, like, biggest challenges at the moment and how are you overcoming those in your teams? I think um, it's across the sector it's what everyone's experiencing that's staffing um you know it's quite difficult trying to find the right fit um sometimes it, it simply comes down to location and that's what's having an impact um there's a lot of great offers out there so it's just about having a point of difference really um and then you know just ensuring that the teams are well taken care of you know if, if i always say people before paperwork um so it's just important that they feel 
you know, that we have constant gratitude for what they're doing. You know, I say celebrate the fact that they're even turning up, you know, uh, those little things and showing constant appreciation um, and, and, you know, praise and, you know, tokens of, you know, um, goodwill and, and so forth, you know, can go a, a really long way. And when your people are well taken care of, everything else just flows. Mm. Everyone else is happy. The children get the best. The families are happy. You know, everything just works. So true. So true. And so how do you go about in your role to support your people? Um, so I think it's by being a, a really good role model, you know, um, talk, don't just talk the talk, you've got to walk it as well. Um, and I'm very much, I'll show you the way, come with me, let's, let's walk together. Um, you can sit there and say, you need to do this, you need to do this, but that's not going to inspire anyone, you know, to get on board. But if they can see that you're willing to get in the thick of it and do it as well, um, you know, people, you know, are more likely to get in and have a go because they're like, oh, well, if she can do it, so can I. Oh, 100%. And I think that's one thing I loved about you, being in the service, seeing you, I think you literally changed your shirt three times that day because <laughs> you were there just cleaning and tidying up and um, it, yeah, it was get so great on. to see. <laughs> no, because you were dirty from cleaning up. <laughs> Um, but I think yes. that's definitely keys in it, like people being able to see you doing it. Um, and I always I always say, like, I don't know if you're the same, but don't ask someone to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Yeah. And giving them an understanding of why we're doing this, the importance of it as well, not just saying we have to do it because you need to have background knowledge. If you don't have knowledge, then you don't understand why you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. So... Um, as much as getting and doing it, but having an explanation and taking the time to sit with them and, you know, really get them to understand. Yeah, because some of your leaders at the moment are really excited that, um, have you put a new initiative in place to get some of your directors back in the rooms? Yeah, so we're just uh, doing a one a week um, day that they spend in there. So it's going to be from about nine to three and that's really... Um, it's about strengthening relationships with their team, you know, getting insight to what's happening, role modelling, you know, um, improving practice, uh, all those things. And I think it also has the opportunity to strengthen their relationships with their families because they're in there, they're seeing them more, they're seeing them not as just a rush in and out. Um, they can take their time more when they're in the room rather than, you know, just passing through the foyer. Uh, so I think it has... Um, you know, such a op great opportunity to open up so much more opportunities of greatness across the service on so many different levels. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea too, like for them, yeah, as you said, to be connected with their people. I think mm -hmm. that often um, we can feel like, I use the word silo a lot lately, like, you know, directors can feel in their little silos or doing, doing it alone, um, getting caught up and bogged down with all their paperwork. So, yeah, no, I think it's awesome. Definitely. How's it going? How long have you been doing it? Uh, so we're about to, my centre's about to kick it off next week. Yeah, awesome. uh, they're super keen. 
there was no one that pushed back, which was great, you know, um, because I guess we've made it very clear that we don't want them to be worrying about what's happening in the office. So that is the day that their um, assistant manager will be in the office so they can take care of everything. Uh, They'll have a handover in the morning before they go into the rooms. They'll have a handover coming back out from the um, assistant manager. Any urgent matters can be done in the final hour of their shift and everything else you know, hopefully there's not too much for them to action the following day. So they don't feel, I know that when you're, you do have to go and relieve lunch breaks and things like that. Sometimes you're in the back of your mind, you're having this panic attack that you want to get back to the office because yeah. you know, once you get behind, you get really behind and it just snowballs. So uh, having the, the assistant manager in there helps relax that a bit and eases that um, worry. Yeah. Good. Good. Awesome. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and your team are. So in our latest director's meeting, they were writing that that was one of the things that they were most looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's awesome. really great. Perfect. So when you start, I'm interested to know when you um, first started. So if you look back in your career, when you first started, what's something that you wish you had have known then? Oh, geez. Relax. <laughs> Relax. Okay. Don't sweat the, the small stuff. I I mean, you evolve so much over time as an educator and I look back at the educator I was when I first started and I probably would have, you know, let her go. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, because she just was a totally different person. You know, she didn't know what she was doing. She thought she knew what she was doing, um, you know, and I've softened over time as a human as well. So, you know, quite back then I was young and abrasive, you know, you think you know it all. Um, and now, you know, I really take a step back and I reflect and I have um, a personal policy that I never address anything in the moment. Go away, think about it, don't run on emotion and then address it. So um, I find that that's really helped me and I've evolved so much and I'm such a different um, lead. I have such a different leadership style now, which is very um, great. I'm sure everyone's grateful. Everyone's grateful. <laughs> I'm I not love that. that. the same person. I probably wouldn't have worked for me when I first become a centre manager. <laughs> so did you have like a mentor or someone that sort of like um, pointed you in the right direction? Was it a self-realisation or how have you gone about evolving as a leader? So I think the biggest turning point in my career was I worked for three years in a Montessori centre. Right. And that absolutely changed me. It, you know, because you are forced to slow down, take your time, be very present um, and, you know, everything else can wait. And I just, that just got me to the core. You know, I saw how much the children responded when you took your time, you know, when we took our time with each other as adults, how much better we responded to each other. And it, it just made such a difference. And I saw such a difference to the children's world, our world. And I said, and I learned that you don't have to be aggressive or abrasive to get your point across, to get have things happen. You know, if you take your time and explain and, slow down it makes such a difference and people are more responsive to that including the children and the families and and the community and everyone so um I learned a lot and it really softened me and reminded me just to slow down 
That's awesome. So why do you think, because we find as well, when we observe centres, people are going at such a fast rate and a fast pace. And I'm so glad you said that about your Montessori experience. Like what, um, why do you think people move so quickly, like day to day in the rooms? I think, you know, there's, there's, sometimes internal pressure that we put on ourselves. Sometimes there's pressure from above um, and it never feels like there's enough hours in the day. Uh, but, you know, we we almost get in like this stigma of like it's just moving through the paces, you know, it becomes almost like a production line and we're losing those teachable moments when we're rushing, you know, the children don't feel like they're coming first in the space, all those things, you know, there's so much that's impacted by us not taking our time and being present in the moment. So um, I get why we do it. And sometimes I still find myself doing it and I need to just remind myself to slow down and just chill for a second. Um, Nothing can't wait. You know, nothing terrible is going to happen if the floor isn't mopped by two o'clock, you know, (laughs) and I always say, just explain it, you know, you know, just say, Hey, I mean, I wasn't able to get it done today, but you know, tomorrow I'll get it done. Not a problem. You know, I think we all just need to be kinder to ourselves and be a bit more understanding and remember that we are humans. We're not soldiers and that, um, remind ourselves what we're trying to achieve whilst we need to have a clean, well-presented environment that's safe for the children. The children have to come first in that space because ultimately that's why we're there. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, so (laughs) true, so true. And so you know when you're in those moments and you're like you find yourself just, I call it a hamster wheel, right? So you're just on that hamster wheel. How do you, like what is it that you tell yourself or how do you recognise that that's a moment that you need to sort of slow down? Uh, usually I can tell by everyone's face around me because <laughs> they're like, what is going on? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, you know, and they, and when you're like that, everyone feels like they have to match that yes, as well. That energy. So it starts, yes. yeah, it starts having an impact and you can see it. Then the children start to get out of control and everyone's frazzled and, you know, you, you see behaviors start to elevate in the space and, okay. you know, and then you have to go, this is because of you. You know, you need to stop. I always say that um, in a in a classroom, there's two things that will impact um, the environment or a child's behaviour, and that's the environment itself or you. Mm. You need to look at one of those two, and you need to change one of those things. And quite often, it's our ourselves and how we're um, acting, and you know that energy gets met by whoever's around us. Um, or we need to change the environment. And how do you rarely the child? Yeah, well, it's interesting. And how do you go about that with your team? Because sometimes it's really hard for, um, you know, individuals and educators to recognize that it is themselves. So, mm-hmm. what's some strategies, or how do you go about that with your teams to help them to sort of critically reflect around that? Yeah, I'm a communicator, so I love to have a chat. So I feel like they're opportunities. Uh, so nine times out of ten, I will say, hey, what's going on? That will be my first question because when that's happening, you know, um, I'm quite in tuned with my team. I know when something's out of sorts. And so that will be my first question. And usually it just flows from there and they just, it, it just falls out of them. You know, they, it's almost like finally someone's recognised and I can say something because usually we'll hold on to it otherwise. Uh, and, you know, and then getting them to reflect on that. You know, we, they're probably holding it in their own head, but, you know, just getting it out and talking about it and reflecting on it 
you know, problem shared is problem halved, right? So, you know, even that just helps. And then, you know, just saying, well, what can we do to make it different? Yeah. And just workshopping that with them. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And revisiting it. And it's like, well, you know, is that you need, you need something more from me? You know, it, it, there's, there's a gap there that we need to fill. Why, why is this happening? Yeah, and it's so common for um, like educators to feel that way too and leaders because there's so much to think about. There's so much to do. We really care about what we do every single day. So because mm-hmm. we care, we worry so much and we want to do yeah. a good job. But then it's just that that cycle. I feel like it's just that cycle that doesn't end. So, you know, it takes incredible people like you to step in and say, hey, guys, like what's going on? Yeah, and I always – try to remind myself when you're walking in and you are seeing someone that is, you know, they're heightened, you know, or they're feeling stressed or whatever. Remember, you're only seeing a moment in time, Mm. you know, five minutes before that, that might not have been them. They might've been having such a beautiful interaction, you know, five minutes after that, you know, they might, you know, go back to neutral and continue on with their day fine. So you've got to remind yourself not to be reactive to that point in time as well. So, um, but if it was to go on for longer than normal, then that's when I would start having those conversations and doing a check-in. Sometimes we do just have a moment yeah, and that's okay. We're human, as long as we, right? Yeah, as long as we can get on with it and yeah. return back to neutral. But if we can't, then that's when, you know, we need to stop and check in. So what's your strategy with holding back um your reaction in those moments so let's say you go into a room it's very chaotic um quite out of control like what is your strategy to hold back that reaction in that moment so again that's where I said earlier about not um being reactive in the moment don't address it necessarily in the moment take a minute so uh sometimes you don't have 24 hours to think about it um but you know I try and go in and bring so I want the my energy to match where I want the room to be so that's my first point of call so going in quite calm talking with a lower voice uh and then uh trying to pinpoint exactly what's going on just with a quick scan in the environment Mm -hmm. uh and if i can see that you know it is something in the environment needs to change the children are bored you know i would approach the educator and say should we get out this or should we do this um and then just i always say how you feeling as well um you know just a bit of check in with them and nine times out of ten they'll say i'm okay of and course, I, that's I, our default, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I will always say, um, you know, y- your demeanour is telling me otherwise, you know, uh, and you, know, I want, and you want them to be honest with you and not feel like they can't. They don't. You don't have to hold it together all the time. Like that's not realistic. Um, so letting them feel comfortable with telling and being honest with you as well. And knowing that it's okay to have a bad day, had a bad moment. The world's not going to end if we have those. It's just how we recover. Yeah, it's so true. And then I am there to support them. Yeah, 100%. And I loved your strategies earlier with how you do support your team and how you check in with them. Um, that's awesome. And so with your... Um, when you do go in, you check in with them, you have that chat with them. How do you encourage them? Like, because honesty, I feel like is a rarity now. I feel Mm -hmm. like when you move to more senior positions in leadership, it's more and more difficult to see um, 
or and to encourage that honesty and to see a true reflection and for them to portray that true reflection. So yeah, how do you go about making sure that your teams are, are feeling like they can be honest with you? Yeah, so I that's another policy, <laughs> personal <laughs> policy of mine is being really transparent. But you know, so sometimes it has to be both ways, right? So I, I can't be honest with you, but I can't receive it. That's not how it works. It, it's a two-way street. So, you know, always ensuring that they feel comfortable, you know, that when you're speaking to them, it's it's how you approach it. So if I was coming at them and speaking at them rather than speaking to them and explaining where I'm at, then they're not going to feel comfortable coming back to me. They're you know, they're going to write me off in my conversations. So, you know, giving them the space, the time, you know, building a relationship, building a relationship with someone and getting to know them really well makes them feel comfortable being able to be very open and honest with you as well. But I always find sharing a story as well is really good, you know, that I've been there. You know, um, you know, I'm not too far removed from reality of what it's like to be in a, a classroom. You know, uh, I, I've done it before and I I always remember how difficult it can be, you know. So sharing, I find really sharing a story and making you relatable through that story helps as well. And do you often go back into the rooms yourself to remember what it was like? Yeah, so I spend I try to spend as much time as I can in the rooms. Yeah. Um, it, it does get hard. Um, you know, sometimes my support needs to be with the centre managers quite often. Um, so sometimes I don't get in as much as I can. But when I do, I really enjoy it and I, I quickly remember what it's like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I always says I tend to go in and say I'll clean your bathroom for you today so you can focus on getting those little extra prep things that you need to do while the children are in their rest period or what have you just giving them a little bit extra time because I feel like time is the most valuable thing um, for us so you know being able to do that I feel is quite special yeah and it's so simple to do Mm. And are you finding people are appreciating that and those efforts with you giving them time? I, I've just been speaking to a lot of people getting quite frustrated with people not appreciating or not even seeing and it's sort of being a, an expectation that it happens. So how are you feeling about that? Yeah, look, I agree with that half, yeah, half yeah, yeah. partly. Um, you know, I guess sometimes when we are time poor and we're moving through the paces very quickly we forget to be grateful and say thank you um but I don't take offense to that because I I know what it's like uh you know and for me just seeing the benefit of doing that is enough Mm. you know I don't need someone to sit me down and say look I really appreciate that thank you um I can see value in doing it Yes. So, you know, if their shoulders just seem a little bit lighter, oh. then that's that's worth it. Oh, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. <laughs> I <it>. love that. <laughs> Stop it. Um, cool. And so what um, – Yeah, I've just noticed a bit of a pattern with us talking a bit about your personal policies. So do Mm -hmm. you have any other personal policies or anything that you sort of, you know, it really drives you and that you live by? Yeah, so probably my other one is you get out what you put in. Yeah. So, you know, I always say your investment is your return. So if you're not willing to 
go into the class spaces and invest your time, you're not going to get a good return out of your educators. You know, if I'm not willing to go change those nappies, mop up that poos and spews that happen, you know, and show that I'm no better in this space, you know, just because I ha- I sit in a role that, um, you know, is outside of the, the centre does not mean I am superior to you. I just have a different role to play in the end game. So um, those investments are invaluable, really. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And so what is the end game, Ames? What's the end game? Oh, so you talk about this, you all have it? this role to play. Like what is the end game and what's your purpose for doing what you do? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I haven't really thought too much of it. Um, I, I'm not a think of the future kind of person. Um, so for me, I guess – the further I go in this, the more difference I can make. So, you know, if opportunities, um, you know, come to go further, you know, and I can oversee more and, and do more, then that's where I'd want to go. But I don't really know what that looks like. You know, I never have a tomorrow plan. Um, so I'm just, I think it's because I'm so happy and I'm enjoying what my current role that, I don't need to think about that. Yeah. I get, I'm getting satisfaction. My cup is constantly full where I'm at. So, um, yeah, that end game, I don't know. But it probably, (laughs) yeah, but it probably serves you, you know, in your role not to think about tomorrow too much, like just to think about today. Um, and I think, well, the benefits are obviously that you can live in today. You can be mindful. You can just see it for what it is right now. Whereas the future thinkers would think obviously way too far in advance and worry about tomorrow's worries that don't even exist yet. Um, but then on the flip side of that, I guess, um, like, yeah, I don't know, like dreaming, thinking about the future, but yeah, I think it serves you in the role that you have to be a today, today person. Yeah, you kind of have to because if you get caught up in tomorrow, today we'll get – God knows where today will end up, yeah. you know. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> and, I hate to think. Oh, 100%. So who do you turn to when you get stuck or when you feel stuck? Um, I'm really fortunate. I have some great um, peers around me. Um you know, I have fellow angels, so um, a few of them, you know, you're able just to reach out, you know, and we'd be just bounce ideas off each other and, you know, it's, it's there's a lot of wealth of support there. And then, you know, my – so we have someone above us that oversees the angels, our mama angel, so she um, is the most kindest, generous person you know and she has great wealth of knowledge but she also sees everything from such a different perspective that I don't so that for me is great because um as much as I try to see from all perspectives she always just comes in left of the field with something completely different that you wouldn't even think of and she has a very um we we kind of have similar personalities similar personalities but different approaches so um I find a lot of benefit from that just you know being out of bounce ideas around and knowing that you've always got someone that will listen is great as well you know just sometimes you don't need an outcome you just need someone to listen and hear you because we all need that right oh I think that listening is one of the most underrated leadership qualities that there is yeah 
Yeah, I, look, it's for me, it's a taught skill. You know, if I go back to that Amy that was at the beginning of time, she wasn't a great listener. She really wasn't. Um, but, you know, now I will listen and not respond until you are actually finished. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. And what are some other leadership lessons that you've learned along your journey? Oh. Let's go back. Let's take a little journey. I know it's your <laughs> probably least favorite thing to do. Hey, yeah, I've got a, I've got a question here about like, um, what do you? Uh, it's like such a long vision, long term vision. It's like, what do you? If you died tomorrow, what do you want to be known for? <laughs> um, just someone that's kind and humble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you are. You so are. You have so much time for people. Yeah. It's important. And, I, and I'm very fortunate that I work for an organisation that aligns with my personal philosophy so closely. Um, that makes a world of a difference. Um, and they have the formula right. And, you know, it wouldn't work if there would be no relationship. I would have to, you know, look at other options. So I'm very, very fortunate that from the top to the bottom, there's support all around. And that's so rare to find, you know, I have worked, I wouldn't say for many, but a few, you know, organisations and, you know, it's hasn't always been the best experience, obviously, while you move a lot, move on. So yeah, um, I'm very, very fortunate where I am. But do you think, I also think that it's important to go through those like trials and tribulations as well and be in those um, services that don't so much serve you or fit with your philosophy because then when you find it, you're like, yes, Mm -hmm. I found it. I'm here. This is it. This is what it should feel like. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Because I mean, it. You learn so much from it and it breaks your soul a little bit and sometimes I feel it takes a little bit of it each time you leave but what you recover back and heal from it um, is so valuable. You you know, you, you, I always say knowledge is power and once you've got it, no one can take that away from you mm-hmm. It's and you can take it anywhere with you. So it's like, well, it's your loss, you know, but I'm going to take what I've learned and I'm really going to ensure that that isn't a repeat in my future. Yeah. Oh, and exactly like I think knowledge is so much like we can learn and learn and take and observe all that knowledge. But I think the knowledge is also what you wouldn't do. And it's taking Mm. that knowledge of like, oh, my gosh, I would never do that. I would never do this. Yes, I love that. I'm going to take that and put it in my tool belt. So it's what you would and wouldn't do, I think. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And so, um, yeah, let's go back to that leadership (laughs) challenges. Um, and yeah, what are some of those challenges that you face along the way and how have you overcome them and what advice would you give to leaders in the sector today? Oh, eerie me. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> it's such a tricky question. Um, I mean, every day can be a battle, right? Um, I think finding the right fit is just the the point of difference. You know, if you're a leader and you've got an organisation that doesn't share your vision and where you want to go and you don't have the support, you know, you, you can't progress with that. So that that's probably the biggest challenge that I've had. You know, some organisations, you're in a box mm. and you cannot think outside of that box and you can't evolve um, and inspire and do all those ma- amazing things that you want to do because your ideas 
get squashed down. So um, autonomy is really, really important. Um, and when you find that, it's like it's it's so filling fulfilling for you. Uh, and that's probably my biggest learning thing is, you know, don't sacrifice your own yourself, you know, your beliefs, your values, your philosophy, your personal policies. Don't sacrifice all those things because someone's saying you've got to stay in that box, you know, break out of that box, get out of there. That's not the right place for you um, and go find a big, round, endless um you know, a place that you can roll with anything, your thoughts and ideas, you're heard, you've got a voice. Yeah, I love that. And what are you saying, Eden, um, that you're a lifer? Is that what you call it, an Eden yeah, lifer? Yeah, so I'm an Eden lifer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for my membership card. But, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I, I hope there's a I, – I quite often joke that um, our owner, I would have to be buried in his family plot. <laughs> part of the family yeah I, I love that I haven't told him yet but um yes he will have to create a space for me <laughs> that separate space <laughs> which side do you want to be on yeah yep. just side oh that's so hilarious and um, so what keeps you there like you've talked a lot about the support and having those people around you um what I love about Eden is that they are really open and innovative. Like there's so then they're willing to, um, yeah, as you said, like listen, take on people's ideas and they see a lot of value in, um, like listening to different perspectives of different people mm-hmm. and allowing their each individual service. Cause I mean, being like, you know, a medium to large organization, it's very easy to get trapped, as you said, in that square box, do everything the same. But one of their values or one of your values is that you um, really value the uniqueness of each of your services. And I love yeah. that about Eden. What do you love about Eden? <laughs> <laughs> everything um I think it is that from you know top to bottom everyone has a voice and everyone is heard you know and we do that in a a range of different platforms uh you know there's nothing worse than when you you do say a surf staff survey (laughs) which we call a pulse survey so we sort of see where everyone's at and you take it and you get your responses and nothing's done with it you know we have a real focus on this is useful you know, information. And we really want to hear from everybody um, because, you know, many voices makes change. So if it's one person saying the same thing over and over, it does get heard and, you know, it's considered, but is it impacting the whole organisation? Probably not. So it may not get actioned um, and something else above might because there's many voices. So it's really important that everyone has that opportunity. We action it, you know, we we analyse it, we follow it up with our centre managers and say, all right, well, what can we do better to move forward? What, you know, sort of what is the most important thing right now to action and what is things that we can work towards over time. Uh, and then, you know, there's opportunities for, you know, we have a QR code system where the staff can scan it and at any time give feedback or shout outs. Um, we'd like to see positive come through that as well. So things that we're doing well. Um, and we and I think Eden is really good at celebrating everyone as well. I think that's really, really good. It's just a real positive culture. And I think that's why I stay. It's, the, it's definitely the culture. 
Yeah, it's very rare to find. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's definitely a good vibe and a good culture. Yeah, and, it just, and it's just fun. Yes. We have so much fun. Yep, yep. And just wanting to be a part or feeling a part of something too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it just feels like home. Like we say, we're the Eden family and it does legitimately feel like that. It doesn't feel like, you know, people say that they're, they're you know, a family-owned business. But what what is that? What does that look like? But genuinely, like, it feels there's warmth when you walk in. I think that's the probably the thing I notice the, the most is the warmth and everyone, you know, is generally happy to see each other and, you know, we celebrate, you know, the wins with each other. We cry with each other. You know, we go through all the emotions together. You know, we're with each other more than we are with our own family. So if we don't enjoy where we are, um, yeah, there's there's um, opportunity that it will all go to the... <laughs> To the bin side. <laughs> <laughs> to the bin side. Um, the bin side. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think that's what they talk about with today's generation that like, you know, a few generations ago they were all about, you know, nine to five working and mm-hmm. that being their their life. You know, they go to work, they stay in the same job for 20 years. We don't, we don't like our families before us and our generations before us have created, um, you know, a foundation for us now and the generations now that they don't have to stay. So it's about creating that culture of um you know and now we look at workplaces like back then they wouldn't even have thought of talking to their workmates about like their life and what's happening at home and and their problems but now I think it's it's really about people finding that or those people their people their tribe that they can share things with whether it's good whether it's bad and they just want to be with them on that journey of life not just work I think when you've got that culture right and it feels like family, when one of us is away, you really notice it and you you miss that person. Yeah. Because it's it's like a family member's missing. Yeah. You know, even, you know, you just, and when they come back from holidays, annual leave, you're just so excited to see them because um, it, it is like having a missing link. Wow. And it doesn't run, run as smooth when we are there. That's so beautiful. That's so nice. There's nothing, yeah, like there's nothing worse. You you have that feeling so much that when you go and leave, people are not going to notice. People are not going to even, you know, notice a difference. But it's beautiful that, yeah, when your people are off that you do notice that big massive gap. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> we got all warm and fuzzy I know, there, I know. I don't do much warm and I fuzzy. I know, from you of all people too. <laughs> I, I, oh, I love that. I love that moment. You're provoking the feels. <laughs> Not on purpose, not on purpose. <laughs> um, we just got there. Um, so what else? What else? Do you have anything particular that you wanted to share or, um, yeah, any any advice that you've received along the way that you think would be beneficial to our listeners? I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I was going to ask. You're putting me on the spot. I know, <laughs> I know. Okay, well, here we go, here we go. What is the one thing in your career that you are most proud of? Um, the one moment. Probably, mm-hmm. probably um, it's it's just little things like, you know, a family that was really stuck and were really struggling and you're able to help and support them and get them to the other side of that. And when you just get that thank you at the end yeah. and it's a genuine thank you and there's a lot of appreciation that just, I don't know, that for me is like 
the best because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what we're there for, you know. Um, yeah, it's just those little things. Sometimes it's just even when a staff member, as they're leaving for the day, they go out of their way to come over and say goodbye. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, you, you're, uh, it's not an ego thing, but it's like you're, you're important in their world enough that they will come say goodbye. Even for me, a child using my, my name, like yeah. that impacts me because I'm like, I, I'm important enough for them to remember me and use my name. You know, that's, yeah such a little thing but that makes big difference to me oh and and it is it's like when when we look at gratitude and when we look at happiness and when we look at life is sometimes we think it's about those big moments in life that we mm-hmm. need to like have these big moments and these big memories but often it's the smallest little things along the way that just add up to being exactly that those those memories that we hold so dear mm, definitely and make us who we are today um cool all right well um I'm just trying to see if um oh I wanted to ask about your organization right so leading five services I wanted to ask like what strategies or um yeah what do you have in place for do you have a set structure are you is your style more like you go with the flow like what is your yeah how do you organize your time and resources yeah all of that yeah so I try to get to a centre every day um, and spend a minimum, you know, I try and spend six hours at each service and that's, uh, you know, you in that time, you know, sometimes I do have to branch off and go into meetings or you're answering the phone or across emails, but majority of it will be in, you know, helping the centre. Just having a presence I think makes a big difference as well. You know, I speak to a lot of um, people who have come to our organisation and they're like, wow, our, we wouldn't see our operations manager for months. Mm. And when they came in, they didn't speak to us. You know, so making a point of moving through the spaces and talking to everyone, checking in with everyone, you know, uh, and then uh, once a week we have an admin day, which is really beneficial. So um, for me, I'm really fortunate that I get to do that from home. So today is my admin day. uh, And that's really great to catch up because I know anything I haven't been able to do through the week, there's no pressure because I know I've got that full day set aside. once a week. And do you think that's, yeah, do you think that's key to success? Like, you, or, you know, in your role is, is knowing that you, yeah, have that time. Has it always been like that? Have you always had that admin day or was it something that you, like they introduced? Um, so yeah, it was introduced quite early into my role. Okay. Um, it was identified that it was needed. So, and I think it makes a huge difference and we do it for our center managers as well. So they have one day a month that they can work from home um, to, you know, just catch up, focus on those big items that you don't get to do, you know, like your quick and your wrap and all those things that get put on the back burner. And, you know, I know that it's, it's a weight lifted when you have that opportunity to be able to do that. And you come back and you kind of feel like, right, I'm ready to go back into it again. Now I don't have to worry about that. It's taken care of. 
and I never realized how different it was. So like moving from a center from July last year and having all of those like constant interruptions, which just become a normal part of our day. Like, and I actually thrive in that environment because I like to go, 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 go. Then like having full admin days in an office where you're like, oh my gosh, I literally have like eight uninterrupted hours. And have you found it like really exhausting? I'm like eight interrupted hours that I can just get stuff done. And it's good to be in flow, but man, it's exhausting mentally. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And the the silence is deafening. (laughs) You know, I I love the sound of my own voice. I could chat all day. And to sit here and, you know, like I'm thinking of reasons to call the centres. You know? <laughs> Talk to me. Uh, I miss yeah, people. Yeah, because you just, yeah. Um, yeah, you just in your own head. <laughs> oh, 100%. I've had to put um, like so many strategies in place. One of the strategies I've found recently is a timer. So I set like a one hour timer and I know I have to focus and concentrate yeah. for one hour. And then after that, I get to have a little break and then I go back to focusing for one hour. Um, and yeah. that's worked well for me. But yeah, I think eight hours of uninterrupted when you're moving from a center, like that's tough. And I think you need to have a plan for that day. Yeah. And when you're at a centre, you know, you have breaks, you know, you'll go wander off and you'll go visit the rooms, go down to the kitchen, chat to the cook, you know, go sit in the staff room for a bit, have a chat. Yeah. And just at home, it's like, well, I can go to the kitchen and I can get a drink. (laughs) Um, I can go to the bathroom, but you know, nothing more exciting than that is sort of happening. So you sort of, when the phone rings, you get a bit excited. Yeah. You're like, yes. Um, oh, I find on those admin days, I have my phone on do not disturb. So then I'm yeah. not disturbed and I can just focus. But yeah, it's it's tough. Some days you need you need that interaction. Yeah, definitely. But the benefit that I get from that time oh, is, 100%. is, you know, invaluable. Yeah, beautiful. So what's, um, what's the future? What's your projects? Do you have any initiatives that you're currently working on? Um, so have a few more centres in the pipeline. that are coming up for me so that's exciting um to onboard which is good uh you know it's extending your family which is nice uh and you know we've got a real focus at the moment on um having more collaborative moments so we're having um we've broken it down into center manager ed leader ECT at the moment we're having you know we're coming together on a regular once a month to buy to buy monthly, just depending um, whether that's uh, through virtual or it's face to face. So that's our focus at the moment. Uh, you know, just making sure that everyone has feels like there's someone that they can lean on. You know, that's not too far away. Um, you know, and share ideas, and you know, we can we can all um, make suggestions to improve and better ourselves and um, learn from each other. So that's really really nice. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the most beautiful things about what we do is that we have so many people around us with so many different ideas, perspectives, and when we can bring that together um, and really um, hone in on that um, and allow yeah allow people to be heard, um, mm-hmm. I think there's there's power, so much power in that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. Well, is there anything that you find as a final comment, final remark that you want to leave for our listeners today? Oh, I would just say, give it a go. Don't be scared. You know, don't be scared to trip and stumble. That's how we learn. So true. You know, no one's going to judge you. 
Yeah, I think when you're in the right organisation, you'll feel that sense of ease that you Mm -hmm. can make mistakes and by making a mistake, you're only human. That's right. Um, But you have to be in the right organisation and around the right people, um, you know, to be able to feel like you can fail to learn. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Amy Atkinson, Operations Manager at Eden. I'm so glad we did this and I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I feel like I should give myself a little clap. There there needs to be an audience clapping in the background. We need some audio over the top. I know, we should have done. We should have got all your girls on and like did like a little live Zoom and they could have have clapped you out. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, Ames. Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at lisabrown underscore platinum ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.